When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SDN Friday is in the top end, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. The guru, Rob Hale, is back in the studio this week with myself, Jacko Clark. But we weren't last week, we were in Bali. And um, you can always take about a week to recover from Bali trips sometimes. Rob, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm taking uh, taking the full week to recover, I tell you. I've been trying to train, but it's been uh, tough sweating it all out, I tell you. Hey, I tell you, you weren't super experienced at Bali before going there. Did you survive the first trip? Was there anything that, um, like, did it meet your expectations? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, High-paced environment. Um, Yeah, I'd done Vietnam and that, so I wasn't a bit, you know, I was a bit aware, but yeah, obviously, um, probably was best on ground. So what are you thinking, Rob? Like, footy is growing in Bali. Obviously, a lot of Territorians go across every year for the Bali Nines Carnival. Um, Mm. Now, you're not that far off Super Rules, not quite there yet, still a young man. Um, But in a few years' time, when you're at that Super Rules age, what do you reckon? Do you reckon you can make a sneaky appearance in the Bali Nines Carnival? Oh, definitely, if that's what we're (laughs) going to be getting up to. Um, Yeah, it's very good. And um, a lot of the pubs there, you know, had the footy on and that sort of thing. And um, in Vietnam, you didn't really have that. So Mm. it is catered to the Aussie crowd. Well, that's what I was going to say, Rob. Like, Mm. as much as we were in holiday mode last week, we watched a bit of footy. We watched yeah. uh, the Thursday night game, which was a thriller between Bulldogs and Sydney. We watched Friday night, which was probably the match of the round, I reckon, Melbourne mm. and Brisbane, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, we watched, had to watch the Tigers play, which wasn't much to watch, really. It wasn't our best performance um, for the season. It was a boring sort of game, really. Uh, luckily for you, the wedding, your brother's wedding, congratulations mm. to Anthony Hale and to Kisa Hale, uh, was on Saturday. So you missed your Bombers play. But it would have been a bit no, of a disappointing. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> you would have been fine with that. I could see it from a distance, and yeah, it was getting messy. So I was, you know, we started off well, and about about three minutes in, that was, and I thought, geez, the boys are on here, and uh, yeah, that was about all she wrote. So um, no, it was a very good weekend, uh, good week actually. I was going to say weekend, and um, it's a bit longer than that. Yeah, the midget boxing was good. And I went to that, um, <laughs> and my sons, obviously, had my sons there, and they loved it, and. My youngest son, Noah, was carrying on to his mum saying, you know, why don't they go for eight days and <laughs> that sort of thing. But um, And then, yeah, and then obviously the Waterbomb Park was really good. Um, not cheap, though, but it was nah, good. Nah, the kids and, love that stuff. And most importantly, uh, congratulations to Anthony Hale and to Kisa Hale. Obviously, Anthony Hale has played uh, a lot of Premier League and uh, a lot of Div 1 over the last couple of years, but a very talented footballer, played at St Mary's and Nycliffe. And then you have Takisa Hale, who has been... What would it be fair to say? One of the more uh, prominent, one of the better women's footballers up in the territory for the last sort of decade or so uh, has led mm. Darwin Buffett's for a long time, and, and now it's St Mary's, um, formerly Takisa Doherty Cole. But of course, she'll be going by Takisa Hale from uh, from next season onward. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's correct straight away. Um, and she's not playing this year. Um, so she's gonna, yeah, the ACL's done, and she's going to do the under eighteen girls, which is good. And another Hale coaching at St Mary's there, so uh, <laughs> very interesting. Is um. Is she a future coach long-term? Because I've heard a lot of things about Takisa's leadership potential. Yeah, I think maybe. Um, 
obviously like uh, a few women in the game uh, that are new to the game and new to that coaching um, I've sent her a few documents and a few things that I've put on my boards throughout the years and um, I think that's you know I think she'll she'll learn from that and she's coached basketball though so I think basketball and football sort of transition a little bit there's a lot of coaches that coach both um, but I think she's going to be a young leader and she's going to have to find some players because St Mary's under 18s actually didn't have a side last year so yeah. that's going to be quite tricky um, and I think that was due to having the 14s, 16s and 18s and breaking up that age group um, but there's a lot of girls at that 12s level so they'll filter through mm. um, so yes. yeah for sure no Raf Clark this week he is working in Cape York so we will try to hold down the fort without Raf this week but we are expecting we are hoping that uh, we might get a sneaky little cameo appearance from Waratah superstar Dylan Collis so just waiting on a text from him. Hopefully he can make it in this morning because I'm always interested in Dylan's insights. He's been generous enough to come on the show a couple of times and always provides fascinating insight. Hey, of course, a month ago, just about, you were appointed as Banks' coach. Um, the rumour mill's going crazy. As you know, it's hard to separate the friendship from the private messages now, Robert Hale, because you're mm. a high-profile coach. Um, but everyone's saying, look at all these players that are going to Banks, and, and gee, Robbie Hale's doing some great things, and, and is this going to be a new local-looking Banks team? How is all the recruiting going? Uh, it's going okay, mate. It's just we're trying to get our head around a few players. Um, obviously, we're waiting on a few phone calls from some of our key players from last season, and it <clears throat> looks like we're going to lose a couple of those boys that I thought might be staying. So we're going to have to get into replacing those guys, and I might have to when he was to play a few more games than what he was going <laughs> to play. So, But, you know, we do have a few cream coming and a few local blokes and a few blokes from other NTFL clubs that have put up solid numbers as well. So it's looking up, it's looking up but I do think the club needs to get a bit more of a local base as well so you're not bringing in so many players every year because it can be quite stressful um, trying to get blokes to move up. But had a good phone conversation with Cohen Teal yesterday who's, you know, played 100, was it 150 games mm. at North Adelaide. and oh, he's a very good um, experienced Played operator. perhaps three or four flags at the Bulldogs and he was very optimistic. Former coach too. Former coach as well, and he's very optimistic that the boys would, um, the boys just rock up at Banks, and that's good to hear. Mm. I think, um, yeah, Colin Teal is a really good person to lean on as well. Obviously, at that Premier League reserves level, without you know being disrespectful or anything, you're not littered with players that have played 150 state league games. No. You're not littered with players like that even in the NTFL Premier League level. So, whenever you have a player like that at your club, you try and lean on those guys and, and get as much knowledge off them as possible. I reckon. Um, how have you found the point system and and some of those potential bylaw changes? Have you found the communication and the wording around that being easy for you to understand as a coach? Um, and how's the communication between yourself and say people like Nick Horsley and others? So of behind the scenes more is it something that you put time into to get your head around the point system and, and what you can yeah. do yeah, flying definitely. rules stuff like it's that it's a bit it's a bit tricky for me though as well because i don't know if you know where i'm at um where the club's at heading forward but Hawes has been really good um he's probably sick of me contacting him all the time to be honest but um <laughs> yeah it's been pretty good but some of those bylaw changes aren't going to affect us too much but looking into the future if we have a timeline on when we're going to Premier League that's going to help um, deciding that and obviously you're going to need zeros and, mm. and ones and but having the opportunity to bring in four fresh three-pointers to make ones or two-pointers um, is quite I think quite handy I'd like to see the league sort of open up a bit more with players that are on the fringes that aren't, shouldn't be fours mm. um, but you know that's something that maybe well, that wasn't in the discussions though, was nah, it? Worst case scenario is players 
getting lost to football. You don't want local yeah, players that are like, yeah. So I suppose um, that's something to nut out and work through, eh? Yeah, and I guess some players, and that's what's happened, you know, as yourself and a few others have um, gone, you have to go to Banks or a club like that or Tracy Village and reset your points. Um, it just feels like an awkward points. transactional process too, you know, like, yeah. oh, look, I'll play there for six months, but I don't know. It's hard to give a commitment to a club when you've got an end date. Yeah, exactly. I think that puts tight players into a tough spot. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, you know, so that's it's quite tricky doing that. I just think there should be a different option for players and maybe a different, if it's a five to eight game player, that they've got an option to explore their options um, because there are, I don't think, the best sides are always picked at these at NTFL clubs, and that's just my opinion, though. So, yep. Hey, Rob, there's plenty of football that we will talk about. We're going to try not spend too long on some of all the AFL games last week. We'll try and put a uh, territory spin to it a little bit, I think. Like, mm. if we're talking about the Carlton and Port game last week, we're going to focus on Jesse Motlop and the efforts of that. So, hopefully, more of a territory-based show this week. And the guy that we've got into chat territory footy, and all footy, really, is Dylan Collis. So, he yep. said that he's at the front door now. Now, Dylan's an exciting guest for us. Tell us about Dylan, uh, Rob. He had a very good NTFL season last year. I think he emerged as a player who was, like, a good player and a player that you'd be like, yeah, Dylan Collis can play, to a genuine top-liner of the competition last year and I know that um, you know we spoke about where he was positioned on my list and, and even I thought you know I believe you think that I had him probably maybe even further up like I had him at 24 in the top 25 mm. whereas most other pundits probably had him in the top 5 or 10 and by the end of the season it was hard to argue with them it was hard mm. to argue with, with Dylan uh, not being a top 10 or 15 player in the competition and he played a really good grand final until getting injured yeah. um, but a, a very good footballer no, definitely. Um, he's got good leadership qualities, but he sort of seems like a bloke little transition into coaching um, as well. Um, he, yeah, I, th- I think I can't remember where I had him. I might, I might have had him, you know... I think it might have been somewhere in the teens. Teens, I reckon, yeah. like 9 to... Obviously had Magro up there. He might have been 8 to 12, but very good user off halfback. And it, it can be, get a bit confusing at Tars and some of these clubs, like a lot of the clubs have brings in, bring in a lot of recruits these days. And But Dill Collis has been here for three or four years now and... You know, help that footy club win that, you know, mm-hmm. um, break that premiership drought. They haven't really had players like him and Robbie Turnbull and those guys that have actually stayed. And Culture changes and culture they drive changes it, yeah. and they drive, um, drive some standards that previously it sort of probably wasn't driven before I'd got there. So, <laughs> um, For sure. Hey, yeah. um, we're going to go to a break very soon, Robert. Bombers versus Bulldogs tonight. Uh, are you confident? Somewhat. Um, after last week's efforts, not so much, but... You know, I, I just I think the Bulldogs aren't beating the sides around them at the moment or mm. around that. Yeah, so I think Bulldogs are very gettable. Um, they're going to come out firing. Um, I, I expect it to be a fast-paced, um, open game of footy. Yeah. Um, should be a bit it's of a at shootout. Marvel, right? Yeah, it's at Marvel, so it should be a bit of a shootout. I'm expecting 30 goals pretty nah, much tonight. Sure. We will get into that game. We'll get into everything else. Uh, I'm very interested, Robbie. You're a coach. I want to hear your perspective on the Morris Rioli phone incident. Um, obviously, plenty of stuff with, with territory players as well. Jack Paris was in and out, really. He played last week on debut and went... I thought quite well, uh, but has been omitted already this week. So that's another discussion point to talk about later. Stay with us here at SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. 
Robbie, uh, plenty of football to talk about this weekend. I want to talk about, as we said, we want to put a bit more of a local spin on it. The Morris Rioli phone incident is uh, something that we will get into very soon, but let's introduce very quickly our new guest. Dylan Collis, we spoke about you before. You would have been embarrassed to hear all the kind words that Rob and I had to say about you, but basically to paraphrase it, it was uh, went from a guy who was obviously seen as a good player, an interstate player that's come up and done well in the NTFL, to one of the main guys in the comp pretty much. Um, so... Obviously, you would have been very happy with how your season went last year. How do you feel now, say, three, four months on, as a Waratah Premiership player? Are you looking forward to the season? Do you think that um, you can repeat those efforts? Yeah, no, it uh, it's definitely sounds a lot better being a Premiership player now. But um, no, a few months on, we had a good break just to sort of refresh and um, get ourselves going again. And we'll start back at pre-season next week. And hopefully we can go back to back. But, yeah, it's a tough ask to win one, let alone two in a row. Mm. What was yeah. the injury deal that you copped in the grand final? Was it a calf? Uh, copped a, a copped a boot to the shin, oh, and yeah. then uh, about a quarter later, I was trying to push through, and then I did me hammy on the other leg, so <laughs> two shot legs, I couldn't keep moving. Yeah, yeah you'd have been moving a bit that night, though. I reckon. <laughs> um, how was Europe? No, Europe was good. Where'd you go? Yep. So I uh, spent a f week in Albania with yep. um, a couple other Premiership players, Adam Gordon, Tom Banyulos, and then. Uh, Went off to Greece for a few days and then finished off in Croatia at the end of that. So, Hey, going back to football, people in the NTFL didn't give Adam Gould enough credit, did they, leading into that grand final? And then even, like, I thought he was probably in the top two or three players on the ground in that grand final. And if you look at his credentials and some of his stats that he was getting as of, like, a Sydney reserves player and that sort of stuff, maybe he should have been, like, tagged or, or a bit more attention put on him. Yeah, I think he... This goes unnoticed because he just... You probably don't probably doesn't stand out as much to everyone else as what he did to us, but no, nah, apart from obviously Matty Dennis himself, he's probably second or third best on the ground. Yeah, hundred percent. Is that Errol's brother? Yeah, that's Errol's brother. Can he kick as well as him? Not as good as Errol, but <laughs> he can kick it very well. <laughs> yeah, he kicked those two goals in the first quarter pretty well um, in the grand final. Was there and any with the grand final? Was there any concerns? You started well and finished strong, but in the middle, Southern Districts really did dominate, sort of play a bit. I think the inside fifty count was was it in the end? It was forty nine to thirty five. Was that a concern? Do you think after the game when you thought about it, or, Don't or think moving anything forward? Would have been a concern after the game, surely, Rob. <laughs> <No. laughs> oh, they sort of. We obviously started really well, and then they. They just kept chipping away at us, chipping away, and then mm. probably into the the main concern was when Sammy Dunstan put him in in front at the 90 minute mark mm. the last quarter, and then obviously we went bang bang after that. But no, like it was a concern, but we haven't looked back on the game and sort of mm. um, analysed it or anything yet. So, Dilza, before we move on to some broader AFL stuff, what uh, does your off-season look like? Obviously, come back from Europe. Did have you signed anywhere? I know we spoke about it a little bit um, before you went to Europe, but have you played any footy down south this year? Are you, are you going to play finals anywhere? Yeah, so once once the hammy came good after the grand final, I played five games down at Pyramid Hill, mm -hmm. um, which is in the Loddon Valley League, and then had a break, and then I'll start back up there um, next week. How are they going? We're sitting second, but we got beaten by 20 goals at the top of the ladder a couple of weeks ago. So Yeah, right. Who's that? That's Morong. Where yeah, okay. That's, is that Grenfell's mob? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, so Robbie Hale, uh, Brandon Grenfell is on track for another 100 goals. I think he's leading all comers again in that country footy goal-kicking list. He's kicked about, if I'm just guessing, maybe 95 goals in about 14 or 15 games. I think he kicked about 150 in 17 or 18 last year. So, obviously, country footy talk a little bit, but um, Brandon Grenfell is that guy that you look at in these smaller grounds and you just think he's so big, he's a pretty good kick for goal. You can play him in the ruck if you need. One of the, one of the perfect players, I suppose, on field for a, um, for a country footy team. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a bit of a weird one, though, because you got him and uh, Calder at St. Mary's. I think probably Calder looks a bit better, hitting up a bit more, and then having Grenfell deep. Definitely both had some good games last year, but... Well, he's not even playing as a forward that much at St. Mary's. Like, no, he's been he's pushed not. out in the ruck a lot. So. No, he's been pushed into the ruck and that and sort of, um, yeah, that sort of affected his goal kicking. But there was a game against Buffaloes where him and Calder kicked 10 between them. Oh, and yeah. That was pretty prolific, but against the top sides, he sort of didn't have that sort of same impact. Yeah. Uh... Hey, probably the, one of the biggest stories in the footy world this weekend, Robert, was the Morris Rioli phone incident. Obviously, he was subbed off during the game last weekend. It was a tactical sub. He wasn't injured. And whether Morris felt that disrespect or was just disappointed that he was subbed off, but he didn't respond very well. And there was vision of uh, one of the Richmond staff on the bench trying to hand him the phone to talk to one of what I'm assuming is an assistant coach, given that Andrew McCall to come out and said it wasn't, wasn't from me. Um, and they showed... Morris basically refusing the phone call for a little while. He eventually accepts the phone call. The body language wasn't great. What's your take on that? We do have to go to a break soon, and we will continue this conversation after. But as a coach, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Darwin, you deal with that stuff all the time. <laughs> it's part and parcel. Of yeah, yeah. No, definitely. No, yeah, you just you got to give him the week, don't you? The week or two. So it is what it is. Um, young player, just tell him not to do it again, especially yeah. the scrutiny of AFL footy. I think it was a bad one. I think if I was in the Richmond coaching staff, I would feel a bit embarrassed and I'd say, mm. listen, I know, yeah. Look, you'll get me started here. So we've got to go to a quick break here. Uh, SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Just a quick one here, Rob, because we do need to go to the news, but... Port Adelaide has advised this week that its forward formerly known as Junior Rioli will now be referred to his birth name, Willie Rioli, following a, poor, a period of mourning after the death of his father. Um, so back to Willie Rioli, obviously a player and a person that we both know quite well. How have you rated his first season at the Power? 16 goals, 12 games. Hasn't absolutely set the world on fire, but um, but still an important player in that team, I believe. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, his form's been up and down a bit. You know, he did kick that bag of four, I think it was, or five. Um, but he has been up and down a bit, but probably adopting to a bit more to a new system. Um, but I expect him to bounce back a bit more now and maybe getting back to, you know, Willie Jr. might um, free him up a bit more maybe and mm. put it sort of a little bit behind him and that sort of thing and um, set him up for a good second year because they've... Friday's in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn. Darwin, we will love your listing. Robbie, let's wrap up the Morris Rioli phone incident because it was one of the talking points of the AFL world, rightly or wrongly. A bit of a storm in the teacup, let's face it. Um, but it can't go unpunished. You know, I, um, I would say if you were Andrew McQualter, you, you pull him in and say, look, unfortunately, whether they were your intentions or not, you've embarrassed the club and you've put us on the back foot. You've had us answering questions at press conferences that we probably don't want to do. Um, and you'd be very firm in saying, hey, don't ever do that again. And, and I know they've, um, they've wrapped their arms around him in the media, and rightly so. And, and 
Morris has apologised apparently the next day they went and caught up for coffee but he has been omitted as well so whether that was purely based on form or whether it came into it as well um, it's an interesting one do you think that would have played into the selection this week? Oh yeah definitely um, is what it is you know moving forward but I remember coaching him as a 15 year old and it was funny um, he was late from the ferry and we versed Wanderers mm. Wanderers were, you know, had O'Connell Jeffrey that a loaded team and he was I looked up and he was on our team sheet and he was sitting in the crowd because he dropped up so late yeah. this was about three minutes to go before half time brought him straight on and he would have had probably in the second half would have had 15 disposals against the midfield that all went on to play a lot of Premier League football and that's right then I knew we had a special player and we went down by three points or something and yeah. geez, just jumps out from the crowd and I thought, oh, what are you doing get your clothes on and he comes down gets ready and then just tears yeah. it apart so. no, I got some funny Morris stories too so he obviously the first time I coached him was when I was coaching the 12s with Shannon Rioli he's mm. um, yeah and then he rocked up, right, and he was so raw, barefoot, didn't play with the only kid out there without boots on. And, of course, you had that under-10s rule, under-12s rule, where you can only take two bounces. Mm. And I think his first possession, he gets it in the back line, takes like four bounces down the middle of the ground, barefoot, stepping everyone. It's coming off for him. Yeah. Um, but he's given away about two or three free kicks every time he touches the ball, just because of, like, running too far. <laughs> yeah. Eventually ends up in that, um, playing in that first premiership in the under-12s, and was really good too. So as much as, um, you know... Morris has made a mistake on the weekend, and we've, I think we've highlighted that. Um, an awesome, awesome person, and, and one that will rebound really, really strongly. Uh, his omission has opened the door for Matt Coulthard to start as the sub, a debutant for the Tigers, a relative, of course, of Buffalo's wingman Tanner Coulthard as well, so a little bit of a territory connection there. Dylan, what would happen if you... Have you ever cracked it as a player like that? Because I'll put my hand up. I'm not perfect. I've, I reckon if you had a camera... You know, it's local footy. I'm only a local footballer. But if you had a camera on me the whole time, there'd be some times there where the runner would come out and, oh, geez, he's shaking his head there or something, you know, and they blow everything up in the AFL media. How do you respond to coaches, you know? And, and, and what did you think of the Morris Rioli incident? No, so you, you've just got to cop it on the chin. Like, there's mm. times when you do come off, you know the spray is coming, so you just put the phone to your ear, whether you take it in or not, just answer it yes, <laughs> hold yes, on, yes. Hold, hold on the wrong side. And put, put it back down. But, yeah, you know, he's, he's a young kid and he's he's still learning. He, he'd be disappointed, which you would, would like to see, that he has been dragged and subbed out, but mm -hmm. it's something you can move on from pretty quick as well. 100%. Storming a teacup, let's put that to bed. Mm. Um, Harley Reid, that was an interesting one. Come out during the week and there were stories. So Harley Reid didn't come out during the week, let's make that really clear. But there were stories that perhaps he may not want to go to West Coast, want to stay in um, Victoria, which opens the door for, obviously forces West Coast hand a little bit more whether they're going to look to trade that number one pick um, for a multiple variety of assets. I have heard, obviously I don't have any inside information, I've heard friend of a friend stuff of people um, that know guys from Tongala, where he's from, and, and supposedly uh, Harley Reid said nothing of the sort and is open to a move to West Coast, I don't know how true that is also, um, but what did you make of that? Do you think that we're going to move towards a future where these top players are dictating where they want to go? Because what's going to stop next year's number one draft pick uh, saying the same thing? There's a, there's a champion, uh, we're a very good young footballer in South Australia at the moment uh, that's looking like a number one pick maybe in two years time what if he says hey I only want to play for Adelaide on port so mm. organize a trade or I'm going to go back in two years does it open up a bit of a can of worms I don't think it does um, but it possibly could though um, Connor uh, who was it um, not Connor Rosie a wing guard was similar in that draft he said he wouldn't go to the uh, GWS mm. um, so there has been a few players Archie Perkins done it for Bombers said he'd only stay in Victoria um, 
that I don't I don't think it does. I think I was I just done a bit of re- like watching last night some research and some of the comment footy commentary was around. Do we go back to zones? And I don't agree going back to zones. Yeah, either. I don't agree with that. So, but as we can see now, the Gold Coast Suns are putting up some serious junior talent now. So you've got the Allies that have dominated um, Nationals which for a first, winning all four games. Um, and they've got two or three blokes that will go in the top five. Um, two blokes will go in the top five, sorry. And then the under-16 All-Australian side had four or five Suns boys in it, mm. which is pretty unheard of. So there's, there could be a bit of a dominance from the Suns, and we're seeing that now with the NT Thunder. There's probably been more development put into those areas. Mm. Um, the Thunder need to catch up as well. Yeah, they've got some really good, talented players uh, coming through at the moment. The Suns. One interesting part, and we'll, we'll talk more about Reed soon, but one interesting one is the plethora of good young Tasmanians going really well. Do you get nervous picking a Tasmanian kid in the top 10? I'll ask you, Dill. Do you get nervous picking a Tasmanian kid in the top 10, knowing that Tasmania are likely to enter the AFL sort of in three or four years' time? Because I worry that... You know, three or four years' time, you've got a young Tasmanian kid that's now 22 or 23 that you've put four or five years into. And maybe there's some AFL concession where Tasmanian players can go back to their state and you're not going to get compensated as well as you may have another player. D- is that a concern if you're a recruiter for an AFL club? I think you're right, because looking into the future with the Tasmanian team coming in, there probably will be that... There obviously will be the pool to come home, and then if they can get some sort of concession from the AFL, look, you might spend your four or five years trying to get them into a an AFL player and then you lose them um, as they're into their early 20s so yeah it it would have a bit of concern but you've got no other option at the moment as well exactly right you don't want to you don't want to pass a player if he's going to be an elite talent like imagine you'd have massive egg on your face oh no we didn't draft him because we thought he was going to go back to Tassie and the team below you drafts him you know and then he turns into an absolute superstar and stays so Tassie on top in the um, talent league is that right uh, I know they're going very well. Mm. I was writing a story about um, Jack Callanan, which is Ian Callanan's son, and when I was doing my story then, they were really, really good winning most games, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. Harley Reid, um, do you try and sell the dream if you're West Coast? Look, come to Perth, be the prince of Perth, everyone's going to get around you. There's sort of not a lot of expectation. You know, for number one draft picks, if Harley Reid goes to Perth, um, goes to West Coast, I think they'll give him time. I think West Coast is so low at the moment that you know he doesn't need to drive the Eagles up the ladder straight away. It'd be a big opportunity for him, but of course he then goes away from home. And, and he would have grown up dreaming, probably, of kicking the winning goal at the MCG. You know, I'm sure he supports the Victorian team. Um, mm. If you're West Coast, do you try and sell the dream to Harley, or do you just cut your losses now and trade it? Do you guys think he's that generational? I think that he could possibly... I would like to see his athleticism. I'd like to see what times he runs. I'd love to see his GPS numbers because I do think that a player that's built like that could potentially be like a Cam Rainer type at AFL level, which may... You know, a very good player, but maybe not someone you'd sell the farm for. I think he definitely has those Dusty Martin traits, whether he can mm. move as well as Dusty does. But I'm lean. if I had my, you know, if I had to go either way, my heart is that he will be a very good player and will be worth those picks and will be a stand like head, not head and shoulders, but a clear level above those players that are around four, five, six, seven, eight in those picks. So um, that's where my head's at at the moment. But obviously, I could be very wrong. We've seen these really highly rated number one picks where there's been a bit of a gap between one and two. Haven't it hasn't quite eventuated like that. So where do you see him? Have you seen his highlights? Yeah, I've watched his highlights. He does look like some of the little adapt AFL football. I'm just not totally sold. He's generational um, as yet. Deal, do you have an opinion on it? I think it's West Coast is a club. If you could get three picks in the top 20, um, like Essendon a few years ago where they got three in the top 20 and now look where they are now. Mm-hmm. But 
also, if he is going to be as good as what people are saying, you, you should just take him at number one. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Who would you rather right now, Robert? Um, Harley Reid or Jason Horn Francis? Horn Francis. But I'm a Horn Francis fan, so yeah. that's a bit hard. But so am I, but I'm not sure about that debate. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Dylan that aspect, though. I probably would, you know, considering that um, the West Coast list has a number of holes in it and they're in a development sort of fray, like phase. I'd probably rather just take three WA kids in that sort of early Yeah, picks. I like their strategy last year where they traded down and then their first two picks were, I think, was it Elijah Hewitt and Ruben Jinby and mm. both the best WA talent um, and they passed off some of the other, you know, more highly touted Victorian players further up the draft and I'm sure they wouldn't be regretting that because both kids have come in and gone pretty good. Yeah, and you can see I'm just on the Phantom draft now and there's Daniel Curtin at, you know, pick five key defender, yeah. WA boy. Um, there's a Ruckman too, I think. Yeah, there's a, a couple of Ruckman. They need a Ruckman as well. So yeah. they've got some players there for the future that they can really target. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if that happens and how, how good Harley Reid becomes. Yeah, 100%. Um, we'll talk a little bit about some of the last week's games. Obviously, we're not going to get too sort of caught up into it. Um, Thursday night, we were a little bit distracted with our event on in Bali, but Sydney got the job done against Western Bulldogs, 11-12-78 to 11-10-76. Dylan, you've had a little bit to do with uh, Sydney over the last sort of few years. Your brother is down there now. Your brother's captained the reserves and at a couple of times, hasn't he? Um, obviously, I know you're close to a few of the boys there. How do you make uh, of the Swan season so far? Yeah, it's, it's been... They've had, I think, three close losses. One There was one was, was a draw, one was just under a... Uh, sorry, two were just under a goal. So if they go their way, they're actually sitting in to, inside the top eight and their form hasn't been that good. Mm. But if they keep winning, there's still a chance to make finals and they haven't had the best year. I think they've finally got a full team back in this week. So it'll be good to see how they can can go this weekend. Hey, I know that you are a mate of Tom Papley's, um, obviously one of the gun forwards of the competition. I'm not asking for any dirt, right? We want to keep it positive here, but is there anything that people may not know about Tom Papley? Like, how does he approach his football? Is he a guy that lives and breathes it? Is he a guy that doesn't really care or a laid-back character? Is he a hard worker? Because he's a guy that didn't... Um, I don't know a lot about Tom, but I know he wasn't a top, like, five draft pick or anything like that. He sort of had to go the hard way, I believe. So what can you tell us about Tom Papley's journey? Because he's 158 games now in counting, probably going to be a 250-game player, um, and he's, he's just going phenomenally. Yeah, no, he, he started back where, um, where where I grew up. He they actually he played beat us in a senior flag at the age of fifteen. I think he kicked the game to kick the goal to put him in front. And did he celebrate game. it? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> it's come from a, from a while ago, but no, he, he did it the tough way. But as soon as he got to Sydney, I think he impressed straight away at pre-season and um, got the backing from the coaches. And he's I think he might have played one game in the reserves early on when he come back from injury. But no, you can't. Um, you can't get much much dirt on him. He does love his footy. Like if you sit there and watch, he will like pick apart a game like mm. like someone you haven't seen. And um, nah, he's he's going pretty well at the moment. Till how close was he to going to Carlton? I think very close. Yeah. Mm. Like if if um, if they had got the trade done, which Carlton said they would be able to, he would have gone, and mm. then everything would have changed now. But in the space of a few months, once he did get back to the club, he sort of laid it all on the table why he was going to leave and everything like that, and then. Um, and then now he's, he's happy. He'll be at Sydney probably till he finishes up. Mm. Got the job done last week. The Swans. Uh, match of the round, I thought, was Melbourne and Brisbane Lions. And we did have a pretty good vantage point at the Y-Bar. Shout out to the Y-Bar. <laughs> shout out to the Y-Bar in Bali. My and, home ground. Um, yeah, you did some pretty good work there. <laughs> um, hey, I enjoyed that night. All right, so your, um, your son 
your eight-year-old son is a Melbourne supporter, and you were feeding him. Yes, you were. You weren't very nice to him, um, <laughs> and for the during that game. And I look, I, I tipped the demons because I was big on the whole Brisbane can't win at the G, and and you were had your guru hat on, and yes, they can, and they're a better team, and Melbourne a shot. And look, I was, it was only I felt like myself and your son Noah were the only Melbourne supporters in that whole Y bar. But mm. um, gee, it was an exciting, exciting last quarter. The demons kicked four goals to one. Obviously, Cosie Pickett heroics at the end. Um, Jake Milksham had a bit of a cameo role. Christian Petrarca, 26 disposals, four goals. Just a really good game. Um, leave it for now because the Max Gorn talking point is probably the one that I want to focus on. Mm. But more broadly speaking, an excellent game of football and the concerns for Brisbane Lions continue, don't they? Somewhat. I think they're pretty... Somewhat. They're 1-14, nah, Robert, mate. I, I, oh, no, it's all good. They, I, they just I, I choked tend to like the positives Far in that. Um, Melbourne they goes. dominated play for 90 minutes there, I thought, the and Lions. Um, they, start, they started that... Uh, they just got scored against heavily in that start and then the, at the finish there. But they're in a winning position. I think their ball movement, I think they slowed down too much and got too defensive, um, which cost them in the end because I think they looked better on the spread than Melbourne. Because they went into their shell. Their ball movement slowed down because they lacked that drive, yeah. that confidence, that self-belief that they can but win the G. Yeah, I don't, I don't think um, I think if Brisbane finish second, I think they're going to be very hard to beat to um, you know, to up in Brisbane for two mm. finals, so I don't think it's doom and gloom. I think they should probably, you know, count, they're you know, a bit unlucky as well, so um, yeah, I don't read too much into it that they uh, can't Brisbane, win at the you're G. You're a Brisbane supporter, mate. Nah, um, I just, yeah. Yeah. Do you have right. an opinion, Dill? <laughs> <laughs> no, was, they did go into their shells pretty early. I think they put Gunson behind the ball was probably five minutes mm. to go. And then, as you mentioned, Max Gorn's game was yeah one of the better ones you've seen for a long time. Though that stat line, Dylan, 29 disposals, 7 tackles, 39 hit-outs, 10 clearances, 21 contested possessions. I'll tell you what, if there's ever a man that's going to make you feel like a fool for trading him out of his supercoach team, it's Max Gorn uh, last Friday night. But um, speaking about players getting out of teams... Brody Grundy, where is he at? Um, I loved listening to Simon Goodwin last night on Fox Footy, and he was talking about, oh, the hysteria around the Grundy situation. It's not hysteria. You've got a bloke who's probably in the top three or four ruckmen in the competition now playing in the VFL as a forward. Um, he said that it's not going to be a permanent move. He said, no way are we trying to turn Brody Grundy into a forward. We're just trying to get that system better so we can have the two dominant ruckmen at the time. But I'd, I'd be... I'm... I'm very strongly second-guessing that move. Yeah, I think in the off-season, it was one of the watches for me, considering that Melbourne, and you see it the way Goody was saying it, was more like, you know, we've got a plan for what's going to happen, mm. and I was interested to see, from a coaching perspective, what that plan was, and I don't know, I sort of think sometimes as well, with the money aspect, if you've got a bloke on eight, nine yeah. a year playing in the Magoos, it's sort of, a, it's a bit of a strange look. Um, Dill, what's your opinion? Yeah, at the start of the preseason, I was like intrigued to see how it was going to go, because it did look good with two All-Australian mm. ruckmen, mm. but he touched on the hysteria around the situation, but the reality is Max Gorn's game, probably won in the game last week, so he's going to mm. find it tough to get back in. Well, why would you change that? Why would you change the way they structured up last week in the ruck? I can't see what Grundy could do. You know, if Gorn got sore got, or copped a corky in the next couple of weeks, obviously that opens the door. But if Gorn's firing, if he gets another 25 touches, 40 hit-outs this week, I just don't see how you make that change. He looks like refreshed. It's almost like having Grundy take half the workload for the year is priming Gorn for a, a launch at the finals. Like a, Yeah. And, I, and this is a bit later, though, but like I really think that I know I'd like to see a mid-season trade period. So, yeah. like, I mean, this is late, in the, like maybe around 12 um, for these sort of situations. Obviously, we're around, what was it, around 16, 17? 
now. So, but these sort of situations, you'd want to trade out a player and bring in something that you think you need that you know going to put you in that premiership sort of tilt at the end of the year. So, mm. it's a very interesting watch. And uh, the move for Petrarca to go forward's also been a pretty important one, um, especially when you don't have Clary in the middle. Mm. Um, given that responsibility to a few others, um, that's been a massive uh, tick for Coach Goody. Yeah, I agree. I think the um, the Grundy situation has parallels to the Rory Lobb situation at Western Bulldogs, where when the trade happened at the time, there were people questioning, and at the time you were like, hmm, how does that work? How does that fit in? Um, so really interesting to see how that's all sort of unfolded. You're right, uh, Christian Petrarca is, is just a superstar player of the competition, that he's be able to go forward and, and kick his four goals a week. But, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul here. And um, I think... I don't think Melbourne can win a flag without Clary back and firing in the midfield. What are your thoughts? No, I don't reckon. Yeah, they need Clary. They need Clary, they need Clary do they? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Uh, very good. So they are currently sitting in third, no, fourth spot behind, of course, Collingwood, Port and Brisbane. So looking pretty safe in that top four. Obviously, Geelong are breathing down there next. I'll just say one more thing on Melbourne. I think they're the kryptonite to Collingwood, yeah, in I'd my agree. opinion. So I hope they do finish top four because I don't want Collingwood to win it. No, I, it, yeah, I, something about Port are making me think. Like last week's game, I didn't watch a lot of it. But are we getting are we getting 2007 vibes with Port here? <laughs> Honestly. Oh, we do. Yeah, gee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it might> be. <laughs> I worry, well, the, my worry with Port is I think the young guns are still young. They're guns. They're mm. my prime movers. And I think Rosie, I like Rosie. Butters. I think he's a bit, little bit, yeah, yeah. not as hard as I like to Rosie. be. Yeah, I think he's a bit tappy. Yeah, yeah I, don't, right. I don't want to say soft, but <laughs> Butters is the You've one that goes it. in hay. I've said it. But he, yeah, I just don't, when finals footy in September. Yeah. FTFL player Rosie. Yeah, <laughs> like the Collingwood pressure, the, the Bulls at uh, Melbourne, even, you know, so, like, and Brisbane's experienced midfield sort of worries me a bit with the power. 100%. We will go to a break within a minute or so, uh, but Collingwood over Freeman, I'm not a huge, not much to write home about this one. Pretty close sort of start, and then 10 goals in the second quarter by the Pies just blew that game out of the water. Nicky Dacos continues to do what he does. 36 disposals and a goal. Obviously, if you look at his, um, the numbers that are jumping off the page now are his tackles and his clearances and the ratio between his contested posies and uncontested posies. I was one of those nuffies uh, that was sort of like, oh, look, Dacos is good, but how does he go if he gets a little bit more attention or how does he go in certain situations? I said eight weeks ago, earlier eight weeks ago, that um, I'd probably still rather Jason Horn francis over Nick Dacos. I'm, I'll almost say eight. That's probably the quickest time I've been proven wrong. Like eight, eight weeks. <laughs> I'm already willing to change my mind on that one, I reckon. But Nicky Dacos, um, he's, he's, all, he's worth the hype. Is he going to win the brown line, Rob? Yeah, I'd imagine so, unless he gets injured. What thoughts still? Yeah, I can't see him losing it from here. Like he's a very impressive young young player. He's only been around. This is his second mm. year. Collingwood are obviously flying as well, which makes things a bit easier for him. But Josh no. isn't bad either. That's mm. poor old Josh is sort of <laughs> sitting in his shadow at the moment, but he's having just as good a year. Yeah, I know. He's an absolute star. Plenty more to come here on SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Friday is in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. We will love your listing. Um, Robbie, Gold Coast Suns obviously have been in the news recently. We haven't spoken about Stewie Jew's dismissal uh, because we weren't on the show last week, but obviously that is something that's going to have great ramifications on a lot of territory footballers given the amount of territory players that are on that list. It'll be interesting to see how everyone's relationship was with Stewie Jew. For example, whether, you know, Someone like Amali Roses thinks, hey, that's going to give me more opportunity or, or less opportunity maybe because do, do might have you know, really favoured him or something like that. So mm. definitely going to have repercussions uh, on anti-footballers. 
Before we move on to the Suns, I did have a question last week. I'm not too sure if Raf covered it, but would you be frustrated, like, because you're a coach, it has to frustrate you if a leadership at the club comes out and says, no, he's our guy. There is no chance that he's not our coach, you know, until the end of the year, and then a week later, um, you're sacked. And there'll be people that say that's part and parcel of football, and, and maybe it is, maybe it is. Maybe they can't show, you know, oh, look, we don't know if he's our guy, because you can't say that publicly, but something about that rubs me up the wrong way. Yeah, I just think you got to say what you got to say, to be honest. Yeah. Um, just to so save you face. He was and forced into a corner, not much you could have said type thing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then all of, you know, what you go out and say that, that oh, he's under the pump, then, you know, you're not backing in your coach, and then they'll come in for the knives end. So you're doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. Yeah, pretty I, much. I can't really argue with that. I think it's probably just the, the nature of what, what the beast the media can be sometimes. Just so. got to lie. Yeah, pretty much. But um, they did respond really well last week. So 11-11-77, defeating St Kilda 8-3-51. Uh, not a game that I watched a lot of, but uh, Ben Long back in the team, which was good to see. Jack Lukosius, who has turned into just about the best player in the comp since he was On interviewed us. Yeah. yeah, so it's a good luck charm here. Hopefully a few others oh, that yeah, are out of form. And you're talking about players that have had mis- misfortune under coaches. Sam Flanders has you know, oh, yeah. put up some good numbers um, since Juju has gone as well. Yep, 33 disposals Ned's, Ned's on the son. weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howdly doodly. Um, so, not going bad, the Suns. Uh, Dimmer, is he going to be their coach? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Do you want? Do you reckon he should? I'm not so caught up on that like some Richmond supporters. Richmond mm. are like, oh, Dimmer's betrayed the club and how could he do that? And, you know... I don't know. I'm not. I don't care too much. Like I, I can. I think someone can be burnt out really badly at one football club and get refreshed like that at a new club. You know, they say change is as good as a break. So uh, I don't know. I, I take him at face value. I think the only thing I will say is 100% he would have had conversations with the Suns before making that move. Like he would have known. I think that there was some kind of chance. I don't think it would have been a commitment from the Suns because that was still going okay. They still had Stewie Jew, but it could have been casual. It might have been, you know, a, a coffee with Wayne Campbell or some random like that. Not Around. If someone else like that at the at the Suns and and you know hey hey there, there could be an opening here there could be something if 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 Stewie do you know doesn't last so an interesting think, one yeah I, I think that team probably needs that sort of level of coach they don't they deal yeah yeah no and I think he'd be a perfect fit for it he's a pretty smart man Dimmo I reckon he would have mm. seen what was to come and he could have a bit of a break and start fresh in preseason this year so it'd be a good watch Dimmer. Sorry, not Dimmer. It'd be good if we had Dimmer. Um, <laughs> Dill, do you think that Gold Coast Suns can win a flag within five years? If Let's say Hardwick's appointed in a couple of months' time. Can you see the Suns winning a flag in five years, or do you think it's just too much of a stretch? It's a, it's a big call, but as you've seen some clubs, it can turn very quickly mm. if you do get the right people in place. Like mm-hmm. Essendon were down, down and out last year and then they get a, get the right coach in and, and things are going well for them now so it can turn very quick yeah 100% plenty more to come here we do need to go to the news we'll get stuck into all of last week's AFL games a couple more to review and of course this week's big round of football stay with us SEN Fridays in the top end thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Hey, we're talking about Gold Coast Suns' uh, future coach and who that will be. And a quick look at the odds. It seems like it's unanimous and it will be Hardwick. Odds on favourite. Um, Craig Driver is a guy that knows all about the odds. Do we have Craig Driver here from Get Set Bet? Hey, guys. How are we? Hey, Craig. How are you, mate? Listen, I love talking footy with you. What odds do we have? Uh, what, what, what's tickling your fancy this weekend? Yeah, look, I guess in the AFL we've got a couple of big games. We've got the, the Bombers taking on the, the Western Bulldogs tonight. and you know Both sides desperate for a win to, to keep their place in the eight. 
Uh, and then obviously the big game on Saturday night, you know, Port against uh, Collingwood to decide, uh, you know, who maybe who's the, the favourite to win the flag. Yeah, no doubt. We have a couple of Bombers supporters in the studio today. Uh, they are semi-confident, uh, I suppose, about the Bombers, and everyone's predicting a fast-paced game. What what specific markets do you have on offer for us, and what what, what do you like? Well, the, look, the, the, best, the Western Bulldogs are the favourites. They're a dollar sixty-four, mm. uh, and the Essendon supporters can take two dollars twenty-six, or they can take a six and a half start uh, at a dollar ninety-one, and that might be the that might be the go for the for the loyal uh, Bombers supporters. Uh, and the over-under is, is 160.5. Um, sorry, 171.5. My, my apologies in that game. Look, both sides are, are looking for a win, for sure. Look, neither in simulating uh, form, both coming off a loss. Um, best of Bulldogs have lost two, and they're going to be desperate. I, I, I'm tipping a, a narrow Bulldogs win, um, but, of course, you know, both sides desperate for the win and, and could go either way, that one. No, 100%. And in the Collingwood-Port Adelaide game, obviously a game that people have marked down on their calendar for a long time in advance. I don't know if this is going against the grain here, but I think there's a chance that Collingwood blow this game out and win comfortably. Oh, I know it is in Adelaide, but what do you, where do you have this? I'm, I'm 100% with you. And, and to be honest, I think the only thing that keeps the scores close is the home ground advantage for Port. Um, look, Collingwood are the favourites. They're $1.87. Uh, Porter a dollar ninety four, but it's just a point, half a point start uh, to Adelaide mm. uh, to Port. So look, it, it's a very close game. Uh, it's expected to be a bit of a, a tussle with the over under, you know, set fairly low at one hundred and sixty and a half. Um, isn't it funny when you think you know Port's had one loss in their last thirteen matches, and and mm. you know Collingwood are the form team. Um, but look, Collingwood are the favourites to win the flag. They're into two dollars seventy five now. You'd have to say they're probably going uh, a little better than Port, even though Port have had all of those wins. I, I, I'm with you. I expect Collingwood to show their dominance. I expect them to not only show why they're favourites for the flag, but firm in the flag betting. So if you like mm. to in the flag, I'd be getting on before this match, I think. Um, look, I think, I think it'll stay in that uh, 1 to 39 range. Uh, just because of the home ground advantage, but if it was if it was in Melbourne, it might be a different story. I expect Collingwood to win, and I'll be pretty confident as well with that one. Do you have the odds there for Collingwood by forty plus? Uh, yes, I do. Um, if you just get, well, one, right. look, one to thirty nine is, you know, is, is the favourite option. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry guys, just give me one. That's all right. Want to be treated like a very important punter? Getsetbet.com.au. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Craig, thank you very much for uh, giving us that update. I reckon two very good games of football coming up this weekend. Hope you enjoy your weekend, mate. Same to you guys. Thanks very much. Craig Driver there from getsetbet.com.au. Obviously, we have to get into the previews very, very shortly. We won't spend a lot of time like Adelaide, Greater Western Sydney. Don't need to talk about that one at all, hardly. Hawthorne beat North Melbourne by 48 points last week. That was boring. Um, Carlton, big winners, 50 points over Port Adelaide. And Jesse Motlop, really a breakout game. I don't think he was expected to play last weekend. Ended up with four. Kicked those goals really early, too. I think he had four goals by the second quarter. Um, where do you see Jesse's development? Do you see him? Because I posted something on my social media uh, recently and I was surprised at all the negativity 
towards him. I know that's football, and it's not that I'm outraged by it or anything like that. We know how social media works. But I thought that uh, some of these Blues supporters would be getting around Jesse. I thought he's had a pretty promising start to his career. Uh, I, I didn't even see what was said about him. Um, oh, just along the lines of, you know, Jesse Motler played a good game in the VFL, and they were like, good, that's his level, stay there, um, doesn't chase, lazy, rah, 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 typical Nuffy comments. But um, comes in, kicks four goals, proves him wrong. Yeah, no, definitely good for him, um, especially when you're playing that small forward role. It's very hard to, you know, get on the scoreboard, and it's often not your role when you're that pressure forward to kick goals. So for him to get four goals as well is just sort of uh, just some of the benefit for him, just mm. reaping those rewards. Pretty complete game by Jack Silvani last weekend. 19 disposals, four goals, 10 hitouts, uh, four tackles. Pretty valuable performance there. Um, Port Adelaide. 50-point loss, not the end of the world. They had a lot of players out last week. They've omitted five this week and brought, obviously, a lot of players back in, uh, Willie Rioli being one of those players. Um, Dylan, are Port Adelaide the real deal, or do you just think these 50-point loss to Carlton, 74-point loss earlier in the year to Collingwood, that concerns me, those big margins? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like they, they won 13 in a row, so it's, mm. it's very tough to win games of footy at AFL level these days, and then you win 13 in a row, something's got to give at some stage. Mm. That might be... The kick up the backside they needed, and things might change this week, and they're back to things rolling. But yeah, it's it's definitely not ideal getting this late in the season. But Carlton's form's been really good since mm. post the buy as well. Yeah, I'm I'm on the, as you know, Rob. I don't know. We haven't had many furious debates about this, but I'm on the Carlton bandwagon. Um, I have mm. been since last year, really. Like they had a very disappointing end of last season, but they sort of peaked right at the end there and had a couple of close games with Collingwood and Carlton. And sorry. Carver, Carver, Collingwood and um, yeah, no, no. Like the end of the last year, Melbourne and mm. Collingwood, and they looked and they were the two probably two of the better teams of the comp last year. And Carlton matched them until you know that last sort of couple of minutes of the game. So I know their best football is thereabouts. And again, on the weekend as an example of that, a fifty-point win over Port Adelaide. But will they sneak into the finals? I think there are definitely a chance now. I think uh, West Coast this week. Oh yeah, West Coast. They're resting a few players as well. They might have a few you know niggling injuries, mm. I believe. And they are four in the trot as well, and I think they're going back to that sort of their their branding and how they play. Mm. Um, I think you only can play a specific sort of game plan um, when you have so many you know inside balls, um, and they've gone back to that with Cripper leading the way. It was a ridiculous number of clearances. I think it was just shy of 30 clearances in two weeks that he's got, but he's obviously out. Um, but my surprise as well for the um, is GWS Giants as well. So I think they're a lock this week. The Giants. Mm-hmm. So you were impressed with their win over Adelaide last week. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely against the grain in Adelaide. Um, mm. Pretty impressive. Um, and the way they're playing is, um, sort of looks like finals football. The percentage isn't great, but, um, you know, them against Suns at Manica, Manica Oval, that's, for me, that's one of the locks of the round. Yeah, interesting one. Josh Kelly's in interesting form. You've got 27 and a goal, 24 and a goal, 33 and 3, 26 and 2, including the winner, and then had maybe one of the all-time great tagging performances against him where he was restricted to just the six disposals against Hawthorne uh, and then rebounded last week with another 28 and a goal. Um, Tom Green, I thought, is a, was a big loss, but they were able to respond and, and still get the job done in Adelaide without Green. So I'm sure Adam Kingsley would be very, very happy with the way the Giants performed last weekend. Uh, a coach that wouldn't be as happy would be Brad Scott. Uh, Geelong, 18-14, 122, defeated Essendon, 7-3-45. Obviously, we were a bit preoccupied at the wedding that day. Nick Bryan showed a bit, 14 disposals, a goal, and 25 hitouts, and he's going to have his work cut out for him tonight against Tim English, but a really good learning experience for him. Mm-hmm. What is the go with the Bombers? Are they 
you know, it's not like a knee-jerk reaction thing. We know they're a young team and they're going to have slip-ups and stuff like that. But is it is it go time now? Do you think they will still hold on to that final spot? Um, and do you think it's sort of... What, what do you want to see from the Bombers in the last five or six weeks, Rob? I'll just keep up those competitive performances. We have been competitive, but it was just last week we got blown out. I think we got blown out against Brisbane as well. So, you know, we get blown out by a couple of those top sides. We have beaten Melbourne. Um, and and we, I think we've got an OK record against Bulldogs, despite that final loss two years ago as well. Um, so, Dill, as an Essendon supporter, what would you like to see from them? Yeah, I think those sort of losses say that we are still a bit off that, those top few teams. But if we can finish off the year strong and scrape into finals, hopefully win one because it's been a very long time. Mm. But no, we're showing promising signs. Obviously, we've got uh, Elijah Sardis in the in the mm. VFL that can't be too far away from a debut as well. Ah, for sure. I think... Um, I don't know. Rob, why don't you think Sardis is playing at this stage? Because I know it's not like it's a rush to get a player like that in, especially after an interrupted preseason. I don't really have massive criticisms, but I kind of expect him to hit the ground running and basically be a top sort of, you know... 10 to, 10 to 20 player in the Bombers team straight up, you know, given his talent, top five pick, he's getting his 30 in the VFL. Um, surely he can't be far away. No, I don't think he's far away. It must be something to do with GPS numbers or yeah, true. His work, Workloads, get, yeah. getting his workload up still. Um, he's going to be a very exciting player for the club. Um, and we do have those sort of midfield options um, mm. going through. And I'm sort of open that we do lose Darcy Parrish, I'm, um, but I'd like to keep him. But um, I don't think it's the end of the world if we lose Parrish, to be honest. Yeah, uh, Alan Davey Jr. going okay in the VFL. He's been named as an emergency again this week. Anthony Mankara slowly, slowly, but hitting the scoreboard and, and laying tackles. So his tackle numbers have been quite good. I know the people are saying, oh, Anthony Mankara is only getting his five to ten touches a game at VFL level. But, you know, he's a young player. I, I know I probably, if I'm being honest, and this is harsh, but I expected slightly more because I rated him so highly um, last year. But I think as he... VFL's tough footy sometimes. I don't know if you mm. ever tune into the VFL stream. Um, obviously... Dylan, you've got experience at that level. Uh, it's it can be really hard, tough footy for a young kid from Tiwi to go down, and, and you know it takes a little while to adapt sometimes. But his tackle numbers are really good. Um, so one to watch for the future, of course. I hope he gets another year or two at least to show his wares at AFL level. Um, Anthony McDonald to Moody obviously is another player back there, sort of helping out, but. Mason Redman, last one on the Bombers. Is he going to stay or is he going to go to the Crows? I hope he stays. Um, Deal, what's your opinion on that one? Yeah, same. I really hope he stays. The Crows seem to be um, having a fair crack at him, but if Essendon is smart, you'd, you'd like to keep him in your team for the future. Yeah, last one for the, before the break, but what is the maximum contract you're willing to pay, Mason? Five. Five years, 600 a year, 700 a year? Six, seven, yeah. Yeah, I'd go seven. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, he's in that sort of range. Yep, no, plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 1611 AM. SEN Fridays in the Top End, thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Hey, a bit of an interesting one during the week. This is what Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge had to say on how he broke his hand. Be clumsy, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, I injured my hand. Um, at half time and uh, just in part of the messaging and I suppose the motivation, we all need to be self-starters but sometimes you, you, know, you need the coach to be a little bit animated and, um, and it was just purely an accident more than anything. All right, Dill. Who did he punch? What? What? what <laughs> why has Beveridge got a broken hand? There might be a hole in the wall somewhere. We don't know. <laughs> but apparently he's punched the the whiteboard. But yeah. You never know. 
Robbie, have you ever punched anything out of aggression as a coach? Probably my worst behaviour when I was coaching under 14s, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the modern day coaching, you, you, only, you only have probably three or four sprays in your year. Mm. Um, otherwise, I think Losers. you lose the group. Yeah. You sort of got to be calm, especially when blokes are frustrated. You got to be calm and just sort of back it in a bit. So, yeah, for sure. Nah. Yep. Plenty more to come here. Uh, we're going to talk some NTFL stuff while we have Dill in the studio. So stay with <laughs> us uh, for that. SEN Fridays on the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Well, we haven't spoken local football for a little while, apart from your stuff with um, with Banks and a couple of pieces, bits and pieces here and there. But we're going to talk NTFL stuff. We have uh, Dylan Collis, Waratah Premiership player in the studio. Let's start with the Tiwi Bombers. They uh, finished bottom of the ladder the last couple of years, but they have signed Patrick Bowden. Um, I had a good conversation over in Bali, of all places, with Dean Rioli about the state of the club, and um, Dean was really insightful about some of the challenges that the Bombers face. And reading between the lines, what I believe is that this is almost like a, a last-ditch effort. You know, if things fail um, with Paddy Bowden and don't quite work, I don't know whether we're going to see a Tiwi Bombers for a whole lot longer. Um, but in mm -hmm. saying that, I think they've got their system's right. I think they are going to have as good a crack as possible. Uh, they're going to have challenges that other clubs... I think it was $800,000 a year or something like that. It was a huge figure that seemed un really unrealistic when someone told me how much it cost to, to keep the Tiwi Bombers in the competition. I don't know how accurate that is, um, but that was the, the figure that I was told by someone who would know. And... Um, an interesting one. So definitely a challenge for the Bombers. Paddy Bowden's their man at the moment. He'll be helped out by his brother, who's also uh, Rhett Bowden on the island. Um, what do you reckon? Where's Tiwi at? Yeah, I think having the dry season comp's going to help. Um, it's definitely just getting some games into kids as Is it well. make or break so, now? I, I'm not too sure. Um, something's got to give, though. Um, you can't be forfeiting games and stuff like that. So hopefully they're on top of that as well. And they're going to be relying on us as well with the relationship with Banks to help them if you know they are short on players. Dylan, you were supposed to play uh, in the game that Tiwi forfeited last year. Um, I believe you ended up playing in the resis for that week. Um, to you know, help out as, along with a couple of other really good players uh, from Waratah Premier League. What were you disappointed when you found out that the Bombers forfeited? I know there was sort of only so much you could do and, and that, but you know, Robbie's big on without sort of bringing up old wounds or anything like that. You were big on they probably could have played if, it, if push come to shove that day. Um, they might have lost by 30 goals or, or 35 goals, but they could have still you know played. Were you disappointed? Oh, we. We had sort of heard a few rumours earlier on the week, so it wasn't as if we rocked up to the ground mm. and they said the game is canned. We had half an inkling that it might have, might have happened, so it wasn't as if it just come out of the blue. But it is disappointing, but you know what they go through and yeah. everything over on the island. It, it takes a lot to get them over here and get a game going ahead. Mm. So, no, it's... And we some of us still got to get another game in, which was handy. Yeah, Jaden Magro would have been disappointed, obviously losing the leading goal kicking by a goal. He would have kicked a bag that day, I reckon. Um, look, yeah, we'll, we've sort of spoken a fair bit about Tiwi over the last few weeks on this show. We spoke to the president, Lindsay Whiting. Um, plenty of optimism at the moment, so I think that uh, we all need to get behind Tiwi and, and support them, and hopefully um, they can have a pretty good season because Tiwi Bombers, some of my favourite NTFL memories of all time are watching Tiwi Bombers when they are up and firing. Those 2011, 2012, all those seasons, it was unbelievable football. You'd, you'd clear your Saturday schedule because the Bombers were playing. So hopefully they get back there. Last one on you, Rob. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Hopefully they can get back there. They're just going to have to get games in these guys and get them in Darwin. I think Darwin football's changed a bit. It's become more physical and yeah. um, a lot of sides have state league talent. So you need to, they need to get games. And if they're down south playing as well, it's also a benefit. Yeah. Palmerston uh, are another team that need to get going. Uh, I think, you know, we say it every year, but they need to make the finals because it's been 13 years. Um, and they have, from what it looks like from the outside, the recruiting networks, the financial state. Um, so I reckon Palmerston, it's, they need to make the finals next year. Rob? Yeah, I've sort of got them finishing fifth, to be honest. Yep. Um, What's your basis? Why do you think they're going to do that? Just with the talent they had. But, the, but they do have a... Some of the recruits are pretty old. Have so they got enough locals? Good locals? Maybe. If they can work the flying rule a bit better. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's touch and go, I reckon, Rob. I, mm. You have them as fifth. I have them anywhere between fifth and eighth, mm. to be honest. Um, I think you're right. I think it's, I'd be, you'd be foolish to say, oh, they're no chance because some of the players that they've got into that club, if it all clicks for them, um, you know, it could work out. But they just haven't shown anything, I think, in the last couple of years to... to you know, bet on them with any confidence. Yes. Speaking of Josh Heath at, at the footy training, you know, like I went and watched Bulldogs train. I went and watched uh, Suns train and he was at both training sessions, mm. um, which shows that he has that commitment yep. and that love for it. And speaking of him, I had a bit of a gut feeling that he's probably learned a few hard lessons or hard truths. So sort of think he's going to be better for the run. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> no, 100%. I think... Uh, the criticisms that we have on Palmerston go way beyond Josh Heath. This is mm. not a Josh Heath thing. This is something that Palmerston have been grappling with since, what, 2009, 2008, mm. you know, the last time they were sort of successful uh, or at least made the finals. So um, nothing wrong with Josh Heath. You know, obviously we've spoken about that two-year extension that he got last year and, and, and the pros and cons around that. But all you can ask for is a coach that puts in 100% effort, 110%, and he puts his time in it, he puts his effort in, and he puts his passion in. So you've got to back Josh Heath in, and hopefully he can turn that around this year and get a really good season going for the Magpies. I saw Wanderers Football Club last night training down at the beach. Um, they did put a flyer up last week on the social media, and it says they were focusing on skills, endurance running, cardio training, and redemption. So they're focusing on uh, redemption. They feel, they feel as though they need to redeem last season. Do do they need to redeem themselves, Robert? Oh, if you go off our rankings that we gave them last year, it was at twos and threes. So, mm. so they do. Can you see them redeeming themselves? Because this is where, and I don't know if you still feel the same, but I'm a big believer of Wanderers. I think they can almost flick the switch and, and go straight up the ladder to, to a third, fourth position, um, or, or even or even higher, dare I say it. And, and I don't know if you share that same optimism. No, do what do you think they can do? That? Don't deflect. <laughs> <laughs> well, their top, their top end in their team is very good. They just, it was just their depth that they lacked last mm. year. So if they can recruit, um, say from your 15 to 22, and that that'll help them bring them up the ladder. But they're still coming from a long way back. I look at um. You know, that year they had Sean Manor, Dane McFarlane and a couple of these other players come in, really help them. If they can do a similar sort of coup, um, I think that would really help them a little what, bit. Yeah. Well, what, well, from that, what that flyer says is what Wanderers are known for is their run and flair. And I, I mm. think they've gone away from that a bit over the last previous years. And I think yep. 
get the local. They do have a large local base. Get them fit and firing. I think starting preseason early is good for them. Um, and that's I think that's a great idea from Aaron because Aaron played in those successful periods and knows that when Wanderers get yeah. running and you know Aaron will know more than anyone what Wanderers strengths are mm. and hopefully it'll just be a matter of uh, Aaron being able to you know I was, motivate his troops. I was critical across their their back line. They they chip the ball around way too much for a Wanderers team. Mm. Um, I like Wanderers running and gunning from half back. Um, that's where they're best. So hopefully they return to that style of play. Yep. Pint, uh, sort of pretty quiet pre-season from Pint. I haven't heard a lot about them. Where do you think they're at? I ran into Shane Motlop two weeks ago. Um, I sort of half think they underachieved last year. Um, and that we've argued about this yeah. on radio. <laughs> so um, I'm sort of predicting they finished third or fourth. Yep. I, um, I've sort of got them hovering around that same mark. Mm. Um, I still think they're going to be susceptible to some of these faster teams. I think mm. if Wanderers were a slightly better, 20% better team, they get the job done against Pint. Um, I think Buffaloes are still a bit of a kryptonite to Pint, and I know that's, you know, Pint... Like, it's one of them funny ones. So if the game's played on their terms, Pints can really hurt Buffs with their physicality and, and just their sort of, de- you know, their dedication to run both ways, their midfielders and stuff like that. But if Buffs can get the ball on the outside, they can really, really, really cause damage to the Green Ants. And we saw Tiwi Bombers, uh, you know, to be able to have, what was it, a, a win and a draw in their two games against them last year, which was their only points they got for the season. So Pints are still going to have to combat that territory style. And I think try and, as much as they can, recruit locals, recruit fast players, recruit players that can sort of complement those players that come in from down south. That, that's where I have them. Yeah, I think Shannon Motlop in his conversation did say they're going to be looking to recruit some pace. Um, I don't know where that's coming from, though. It could be coming from south. Mm. Um, obviously, Dill played against them. They um, they should have beaten districts. Yeah. They were competitive against Waratahs both times. I commentated one of those games. What were your, some of your takeaways, Dill, playing against Pints? Yeah, they did. They were seemed to be very well coached. They played a good good style of footy. Um, as, you, as you touched on, the pace probably did get them when it comes to the crunch, but speaking to a few of their players in the last couple of weeks, I think they've recruited some good talent down mm. from SA. Yeah. They'll lose Tommy's shot for the first half of the year. He did his hammy. Yeah, that was a bad one, eh? Yeah. yeah. I think it was at a, it might have been wrestling when he was after having a couple, so. <laughs> it might have been there that Yeah, yeah I might have. Was <laughs> <laughs> it Saucy's? Yeah. It wasn't on a particular Mad Monday, was it, at Saucy's? Yeah. But, <laughs> um, nah, for sure. Um, yeah, 100%. I think um, you're right, Dil. I those apparently those boys that are supposed to be coming they were locked in almost like during the season last year and it was like hey we just need to get through this year and then the following year we've got all these guys coming so they've got big plans um, the Green Ants and it'll yeah. be interesting to and see I, and I think their biggest losing margin last year was you know, maybe six goals yeah there wasn't much in it so they're highly competitive but being able to kick a score have some pace would mm. put them up that's why I sort of think they could finish third but that's knocking St. Mary's down to fourth. So that's that's a big call. Yeah. Hey, Dill, I'm interested in your take on the Darwin Buffaloes. Um, I think the Buffaloes last year showed that their best football is quite good. I'm not going to go as far as to say as their best football is good enough to beat anyone. I don't think Buffaloes at their best would have beaten Waratahs last year. Um, but a team that can still play better than, say, a 7-8 and eight win-loss record, um, I think they lacked a little bit in the ruck, uh, Chris Atkinson and Sterling Mitchell both undersized, both battled hard. Um, but if you're going to get in, if some other teams have state league caliber, you know, ruckman and XAFL ruckman and stuff like that, and I think those guys battle a little bit against those guys. The key defenders was also an area that um, Bus needed to bolster their depth in. If you look at the game where Grenfell and Calder uh, 
took them apart. What was the combination at Nycliffe Oval? I think maybe Sam Overall and John Butcher might have kicked 12 or 13 goals against them late mm. in the year. So a couple of key personnel changes, I believe, are what Buffs... You know, I think Buffs can become a five-goal better team with a gun key back and a gun ruckman. So I think a couple of little changes can really help Buffaloes. But um, there's probably still that consistency between between their best and their worst. Where do you see them? Yeah, we've had a couple of good hit-outs um, with them over the last couple of years. They probably do lack that top-end... Probably one more mid that I think, because I think Pendlebury <coughs> is better suited as a as a halfback who yep. can play as a, as a key position. So if they had him down there, throwing another key defender, and then obviously ideally a ruckman, because if you're coming up against uh, Matty Dennis, you'd, you'd like to be able to combat his influence on the game. Mm. But they're definitely not that far off. Like the players that they bring in are very very good. Um, so yeah, no, it'll be it'll be good to see how they do if they do recruit a few over the over the break as well. Mm, so I'm thinking Ben Archard might help the ruck problems a little bit. I think he'll play more in double blue colours this year, uh, and you know obviously Mitch Robinson would be one that you'd want to try and get back. But one that I think could really help Buffaloes, and it's a bit of an early call because nothing has been said about his future just yet. But Jed Anderson, I'm thinking maybe a Darwin Buffaloes player this year and um, I, I, I imagine Jed's going to be a massive, massive boost. If you if it's any of his training standards and his commitment and the way he cares about Darwin Buffaloes when he's training as during the preseason is anything to go by, um, I think he's going to have a massive impact on the competition. Could you see, obviously it's a pretty obvious question, but you could see Jed having a pretty big big role at Buffaloes if he's back. Yeah, I'm just not totally sold they make the right changes to correct their team. So that's why I've got them sliding. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon they've got the best runners, some of the best runners in the comp in their side, but they need to bring in those key body players and mm. those better matchups down back. And you can't, I mean, you can't just have blokes kicking bags like that every week. I think the barometer for Buffs are their bottom five players. I mm. think you compare Buffs' bottom five players in, say, you know, 2017-18 and compare that with some of the bottom five players um, in previous years. And it's sort of, I think there's a little bit of a difference. Um, and I think that's what, you know, as, as Dylan will be able to attest to, there was no weak players in Waratah's team last year in that premiership team. So you need to have, um, and I'm not saying there's weak players at Buffaloes either, but there's, you know, there's always improvement. When you don't win the grand final, there's always improvement. So um, I think that's an area they'll look at too. We do need to go to a break very, very soon. We might sneak Nycliffe in really quickly. Uh, new coach, Lee Crossman. Um, Mark Tyrrell was an interesting one. We'll coach their Premier League reserves after doing some great work at the Camels and in, in the Big Rivers comp and with Banks uh, in the Division 1 Premier League reserves. Did that surprise you, Rob, as the new Banks coach? Uh, I think a little bit, yeah, but um, I think there's some reasons behind it, so it was mm. a bit of a surprise. But I think Nycliffe are the big watch for mine, um, how they go. I sort of think they're going to slide, mm. so they might finish. Why? I just think they didn't rectify enough issues in the last 18 months that they should have. That was that I thought were glaring issues with their pace, and then losing blokes with pace. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm hearing they're getting recruiting a lot more Southerners, but they have they have got an aging list. Mm. They're 10 or, 10 or 11 blokes over 30. Um, so I don't know where this youthfulness is going to come from because a lot of those blokes, I think, guarantee a spot. Yeah. Um, so they're going to have to bring in some real top five or six players. How do you see it, Dill? Yeah, they've, they've, they do have an ageing list and I think they've got some good juniors coming through that are probably two or three years away from mm. having a good impact at Premier League uh, level. Mm. But they're always a watch because they, ca- they can recruit really well from down south. So, yeah, it'd be good to see how Lee, Lee does go because the blokes at Banks speak pretty highly of him. 
And his coaching credentials are pretty good. Yeah, he's already won a flag um, in the NFL Premier League with Tilly Bombers. We will get through those last three teams, St Mary's, Waratah and Southern Districts, towards the back end of the show, and then we'll get through our AFL tips for this weekend's games. Stay with us here at SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Remember to download the SEN top end app and with well, it's just the SEN app and to follow SEN social media everywhere on social media. Andrew O'Toole from Thoroughbred Racing NT, simply the best show on sand. Do we have you this morning? You do indeed, uh, gents. How are we? Uh, very good, mate. Hey, Andrew, Derby Day tomorrow, seven race card. What's your thoughts on that one? Yes, uh, we're halfway through the carnival after tomorrow, guys. Looking forward to Derby Day. Always a, a highlight of the uh, eight days of racing. And, of course, the uh, the big race on the day, the Ladbrokes NT Derby, the second leg of the Darwin Double. Tub Thumper, who won the uh, Guineas here a couple of weeks ago, looking to complete that uh, Darwin Double and carry off a $50,000 bonus. Uh, she's to be ridden by uh, Wayne Davis. Of course, young Emma Lyons rode her in the uh, in the Guineas a couple of weeks ago. Um, big question, I suppose, for all these horses is who's going to run the trip of 2,050 metres. Um, she's bred to probably not get the trip uh, tub thumper, but that said, she's won her last three and she's racing really, really well. So it has to be a royal show. So we wish her connections all the best. I'm actually going with number 11, another filly in the race, uh, Anne Fina, in the stable of Kerry Petrick. Uh, Paul Denton, he's been uh, riding at this carnival for 40 years, guys, would you believe? Um, and Dash won the derby last year for Kerry on venting. He's won a couple of derbies, and uh, I think they're a royal chance tomorrow uh, with Anfina number 11 in the derby. Very good, Andrew. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much, indeed. Thanks, Andrew. NT Thoroughbred Racing, it's simply the best racing entertainment in the Territory. Rob, we have about five minutes left. St Mary's, your old team, uh, you're a dual premiership player at that club, a team that sets really high expectations year after year. Um, if you want the safe bet, you tip them for the flag every year. But I don't know if I can uh, mm. this year. I'm not too sure if I'm as, as positive. Um, they'll be thereabouts, no doubt. But what are St Mary's looking like heading into the season? Uh, I'm not totally... Um, I just... My worries about them is their recruitment, how they recruit players, um, and the money that they put into recruiting players is just too low for the, to fit today's NTFL. So that's why I've got them probably around that third to fourth mark again. Mm. Um, the locals aren't as good as they used to be, so they're going to need a you know five or six very good uh, state leaguers. Yeah, if Saints don't clearly have the best locals in the comp, then they're going to mm. have to sort of lift that recruiting side of things, I think, as well. But we've shown in the past that they have done that multiple times, so you can never really write them off, Dill. No, they uh, they weren't that far off off it last year. We obviously had a big win against them early on in the year, and then they beat us later in the year, and then we got one back on them. But mm. they seem to have um, flew up a couple of players last year to get them down on points for this year, probably moving forward. Mm. So it'd be good to see how they if they've recruited any others, but they won't be too far off the mark. No, I couldn't imagine. Um, obviously, myself and the guru had St Mary's as premiership favourites pretty much until fairly deep into the season, didn't we? It probably wasn't until that first week in the finals that we started thinking, oh, it's, you're looking like cars yeah, are the I best th team. I think they left their run too late. Mm. Um, a few bad losses, you know, around that middle period. They had to do too, make up too it's much like, ground to finish catch third. a lot of catch-up football last season. Yeah, and I, I think that was six goals off Waratahs and Districts, really. Uh, Shannon Rusko was reappointed as Southern District Premier League coach. Um, districts, talking about teams that weren't far off, Districts were very, very close to snatching last year's mm. premiership from Waratah. Um, what do they need to do to go one step forward? I think they need a better, a dominant key forward. Yep. Wherever they find that, they didn't. They opted against Lee Williams last year. 
which is very interesting. I think he's leading the O and M at the moment. Mm. So, but he did have that really low possession game against Nycliffe, where he didn't a get call, a kick. Though. I don't think it was a big call. I think though. Yeah, I'm not Especially saying watch him in the grand final the year before it, uh, for uh, pigeons. Is yeah. it? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was the wrong call. Like I don't, I'd have to look at it more. And obviously, you have to, you know, there's only room for a certain amount of fly-ins. But it was a, a big call to, to tell, you know, to make that decision. Yeah, Dill, where do you see the Crocs? Obviously, you wouldn't be taking them lightly after after last year. No, I think from their end, they, they lost three, or not, they haven't lost them, but they had three that have gone to Southport. So if mm. those three don't come back, they'll, mm. that'll set them back a fair bit. Yep. But, um, yeah, they don't, they don't need a real lot to top up. Nah. Obviously, they had Dunstan last year, so fitting him and Lee Williams in the same team, they both play the same, it, it would have made things tough. Yeah, and you look at, like, Jai Bolton, Boyd Woodcock, I think Dallas Willsmore, a handful of players who are really highly credentialed, didn't even play in that grand final. So if they lose those Southport um, boys, it's probably like a revolving door. Someone else is going to come up from the waffle, you know, or somewhere else and probably fill their spot. So, um, yeah, I agree, Dill. I think um, I think they're going to have to combat that, but but a very good team. We've got about two minutes left, guys. Waratah, Rob, um, we might actually leave. We won't, like... Actually, no, we'll get Dill. Dill, what do Waratah need to do to ensure that they win the Premiership again this year? What we've been doing the last couple of years... <coughs> is just player retention's been the, mm. one of our main things. And I think it all depends on how everyone else goes as well. Like, our grand final team would have beat our grand final team from the year before, mm. probably by 10 goals. Yep. So mm. if we hadn't recruited this year, we wouldn't have, wouldn't have gone that well. Mm. But, no, we'll, we'll keep most blokes that we've had from last year and sort of pending a few um, AFL retirements, such D-listings, yep. um, will be how we go recruiting from here. Mm. Very nice. That's... um. He, he almost gave us a scoop there with that, with that last <laughs> little one. Um, Put that thinking hey, caps on, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, um, I've enjoyed today. I've enjoyed today. We've got to wrap up. Yeah. Um, but, geez, Dilza looked very comfortable in the seat, didn't he? Yeah, he definitely did. And the tar should be uh, fit and firing next year. And I think Waratahs and Districts will probably be the clear two for my next season. Yeah, I agree, Rob. Hey, Dylan, thank you very much um, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed having the headphones on today. You did really well. Uh, it's been good fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks mate. Robbie, what's on for the weekend? Uh, got a few farewell parties and stuff. Oh, might, go, might go Derby Day. Very good. Enjoy your weekend, <laughs> fellas. SEN Friday.